correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. radiocom Welcome to Me and Steve Talk RPG, the podcast where me and my friend Steve try and help you get the most out of your role-playing game experience. Welcome back to Me and Steve Talk RPGs. I'm here with my friend Steve. Hello, hello. And tonight we're going to talk about some, well, RPG stuff. But before we get into that, let's talk about a podcast that discusses, plays, and enjoys an RPG we both like, and that is Eberron Renewed. Yes, Eberron Renewed is, uh, well, it's an actual play podcast. Many, many moons ago, we had their GM, GM Eric, on, uh, I think it was like episode six or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But on our recent trip to Gamer Nation Con, we got to meet, see, we met Eric, Philip, and Jeff all from the cast, uh, along with some of their fans and Discord people that were there, all very cool people. And uh, they're 150, 160-some episodes into Campaign 2, which they are playing in the world of Eberron, but they're using Genesis. And um, the big secret running around is that they're not using Genesis for Campaign 3, but what they are using is so secret that they don't even know. (laughs) Uh, other than they did tell us and, you know, have told numerous people that it won't, they won't be going back to uh, fifth edition D and D and they won't be using Genesis again. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, who knows? But uh, it's a very good show. Uh, very good characters. Very good stories. A lot of fun to listen to. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff happening over at Eberron Renewed. And uh, there'll be a link for them in the show notes. Beyond that, you can just Google them. Yeah. You should be able to find them there on all the major podcatchers. Yep. Well, uh, we sort of did something we haven't done in a while, and we're talking after the last podcast we recorded and came up with a topic for the next week. Yes. Yes, we indeed we did. Kind of spurred on by some of my, well, experiences slash, you know, voices in my head, whatever. <laughs> but, yeah, kind of wanted to have a chat around... I don't even know how to say this, kind of recognizing and accepting what you're good at as a, as a GM or even as a gamer. And not just that, but also just accepting it and being okay with it. Yeah. Recognizing and accepting your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And the only thing I can think of is, wasn't there that, that one clip, the one Saturday night live skit about something and gosh darn it, you're just okay or something like that. I yeah, I don't remember exactly. I have to not look. the biggest Saturday Night Live fan. Well, well see, I was, but not recently. It, I more or less myself that way as well. Although I did discover what I actually liked hmm. were the condensed episodes they used to replay on Comedy Central. Yes, yes. Back in the nineties. See, that's that's how I enjoy Mad TV. That's why I always liked Mad TV because they would do that same thing. They'd run condensed episodes back on on uh, Comedy Central. Mm-hmm. Because, like, with the condensed episodes, they cut the skits off while they were still funny. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't let them sit and smolder like they liked them to recently. <laughs> yeah, so I think this was all spurred out of us talking about games we've enjoyed playing and games we've had a hard time running. And, you know, you talking a little bit about, you know, your your personal um, struggles, self struggles. Yeah. You know, whatever you want to call it, GM anxiety, uh, which we did do an episode about a while back with Amber. Yeah. But um, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, but no. it's, it's one of those things too. And, and maybe I'm kind of unique in this, but there's a lot of times where I'll know that my problem is all in my head, but that doesn't help me like get over it. Yeah. You know, like I know that I'm, stressing out about something that's going to be fine, but that doesn't, you know, knowing that it's going to be ultimately going to be fine doesn't help me not stress about it for some reason. Right. Yeah, I I get it. It's, it's tough to, to, and especially, and, and I'll, I'll be honest, it's sometimes it's like, 
even though your players say you're doing a good job, you start doubting yourself and you're like, "Mm, I don't know. Am I doing a good, you know, they're saying this, but is that true? You know, and very much so. It's hard to, it's hard to get over some of that, like self doubt and questioning yourself, re-questioning, you know, what, what it means that, you know, when you're doing something well and your players are enjoying it, I get that. It's tough because I have a little bit of that myself where I'll do something and I'll just be constantly looking for that player feedback and maybe they're loving it and they just don't, you know, vocalize it. And I'm sitting there going, oh, well, they didn't like that part. Mm-hmm. So I, I get that. Yeah. And I think like, too, it's OK. Uh, for lack of a better way to say it, um, some of my more recent attempts at campaigns have just had horrible luck as well (laughs) yeah and you know they had the cyberpunk 2020 thing that well the pandemic happened um and you know like and and i think too though there are times where stuff happens and then there are times where i think you mentally start reading into that stuff happens and somehow blaming it on yourself right yeah that's another thing is reading into things that aren't there you hear somebody say something and you're like "Mm mm-hmm yeah, I know what you're saying. And and it the fact of the matter is is they're not. They're trying to tell you something genuine and you're just looking too far into it. Mhm. Yeah, and and yeah, so to 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 some of this stems out of the Star Wars game we've been playing and it just has been uh, almost a comedy of of conflicts because you know, between adult schedules and life and cons and everything will we've gone months without getting together you know yeah. and not usually more than a month but right it's just accumulated <laughs> time we've gone all this time without getting together you know just because this person's doing this that person's doing that we went to texas you know yeah. It, it, yeah and just and then it seems like you have a really good session and you're feeling good about it and then the next session stuff happens and it just doesn't feel like it's working and you're like, what the hell am I doing wrong? Yeah, I get that. Yeah. And some of it, I have not because of the rest of my life, you know, and being, be it the rest of my life stuff I have to do for the podcast, you know, having to cut the grass, do stuff around the house, mm-hmm. having family things to attend to, whatever, haven't had the time to prep as I should. And I think that's a big caveat because prep as you should is not the same thing for every game, for every game master, and for every campaign slash session. Yeah, I, 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 I find myself in an awkward position because I have come to the term, come to terms with just picking games that I can read, understand, and not have to worry about rereading too often. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like. I really enjoy games that I've read it once. I understand how the system works. I can grab it, go, not have to really prep at all in, mm-hmm. in theory or stuff like D and D where, yeah, I know the base rules. I've read the player handbook and I just genuinely don't care if it's wrong or not. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like, if my players say that's not how that works. Oh, okay. Well, uh, that's not how that works. So we're going to make a ruling or I'm just going to play on mm-hmm. and just genuinely one of those things that I don't care. And I get where you're coming from with star Wars and being apprehensive because I've expressed quite a lot of, of fear and apprehension about playing various games that are super lore heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, world of darkness games scare the crap out of me because there's so much. Mm-hmm. Um, and Star Wars is the same way. I don't think I could run Star Wars because there's so much lore and so much to know that I know me and I will just get it wrong. And I hate to say it, but the majority of people that you play with know, or the majority of people that I would end up playing with know more Star Wars than I do and would be like, well, that's not how that goes. Mm-hmm. And that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> No, and I get that, and and we've talked about this a little bit. I'm very much that way with the Forgotten Realm setting. Yeah. See, I I could care less. (laughs) 
Forgotten Realms is one of those things where, oh, I got it wrong. Oops. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. And, but you, at the whole start of that, what you were saying, you said you've realized it and come to terms with it. And I think yeah. that's the key point, right? Right. Yeah. I've realized one thing over this, and this was kind of between Gamer Nation Con and the Star Wars campaign. I realized kind of a couple things. I've always known, and you've played with me in games that I literally ran, you know, call it one shots from a sentence or two, or just completely from the seat of my pants. Mm -hmm. And I can do that. I feel like I'm actually pretty good at that and being able to play off what the players are giving back to me and, and make an engaging, fun, you know, scenario session that way. Right. What I've also learned is that while I can do that all day long with one shots, I need to have a significant amount more structure for a campaign because, because I'm making it all up as I go. There's no continuity if I'm trying to do that in a, in a more of a campaign format. And so I lose my direction. Right. And that leads to me stumbling around, leads to me feel like I'm basically just filling and the players in my mind are then going, what the hell is he doing? Mm-hmm. You know, I, and <laughs> yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I've run into that. Uh, that's something that I understand where you're coming from, but for whatever reason, I can, some games I can cheat that. Mm-hmm. So like Dungeons and Dragons, I have my long form D&D campaign. I've written all of one set of notes before I even started the campaign. And that was the last time I actually took notes of the game. Mm-hmm. They've done a lot of stuff and I know what the ending is going to be. I don't necessarily know all the middle bits, but I'm not so worried about filling in middle bits to get to the ending. If that makes mm-hmm. any sense. No, I get what you're saying. I sort of let them. And, and I always do this. I always let the players tell me what happened. And I do that because I don't always remember the details. And if they focus in on something, then that's something that I know. Oh, they like this. I'm going to focus in on that. And that's where I'm going to be at. Mm-hmm. Certain things like that works well with D&D. That works well with Mutant City Blues. Where that doesn't work is in something like, I don't think I could run Star Wars, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's a much more involved, both mechanically in the the NDS system, Narrative Dice, and um, storyline-wise, that's a much more involved note-taking, you know, making sure that I have a lot of NPCs that are important. Because that's one of the things that Star Wars does really well, is it has a lot of characters that are important that don't actually play, like, major roles in the story, right? But they're recurring. They're right. Yeah. They're think not of, just Bob the shopkeep. Right. You're talking about, think of people like um, the the robot that makes the lightsabers for for the younglings. Okay, or yeah. um, you're, you're talking about, like, uh, Mace Windu, right? Mace Windu was not a main character, but he was a reoccurring side character. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's for Star Wars, I really feel that you have to have, you have to have your characters and you have to have a plan and know what direction and who's where and when and why. And for whatever reason with, with, with um, Dungeons and Dragons in my head, I can keep all that straight. But when it comes to Star Wars, I think there's just too many actively moving pieces. And again, mm-hmm. I talked a little bit about the system. I like playing Genesis. I do not like running Genesis. I've I've decided that. Uh, mm-hmm. After trying it a couple times, I just don't like running it. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it's a bad system. It's just not for me. Yeah, I've wondered about that too. And I'm not trying to upset Zumwalt, Genesis, Star Wars, potato, potato. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I've wondered too, am I experiencing some of that because Star Wars is my first attempt at running something with a narrative dice? Is that but two, is it a thing where I have to, because, you know, we both, when we got to play it, kind of took a little while to get around that mental hurdle that you do have to approach it differently. Yeah. I, so I don't know if, if maybe there's a level of that with GMing it. 
So what I'll say about Genesis, and this is something that I've run into with it and not so much other things, because Genesis is so freeform, it's hard to grab things like, oh, here is just a nemesis, right? Here is just an enemy for you to fight. Um, you actually have to sit down and spec that stuff out. And I'm sure somebody will come at me and be like, well, uh, there's pre-written characters here and there. You just throw a, re throw a new name on them. But even then, when I'm running in something like Sessions, which is a fantastic, fantastic tabletop, if I'm running in something like Sessions, I then have to sit down and import that character. And then combat gets tedious. I, I, I again, I think Sessions is a great, no, I think the NDS is a great system. I think it's a really cool idea. I think Genesis is fantastic. I think Star Wars is really good. I just feel like for me, there's a lot more prep that goes into being a DM on just a weekly session to session basis than I really prefer. Mm -hmm. No, and that's fair, right? Again, something you've recognized and are okay with. Yeah. Um, I think, too, sometimes you may be able to run a certain genre or a certain style of game very well and others not so much like i've had feedback from multiple different people that i apparently am very good at kind of suspense horror game gming or at least i'm quite effective at it let's put it that way i may not be so good at heroic space opera like star wars yeah i i feel that because i've talked on length about the mutant city blues game and i didn't think i would be good at procedural cop drama type gaming but i was mm -hmm. and people really enjoyed that and that's something again you know we talk about acknowledging your strengths acknowledging your weaknesses that's something that just takes a little bit of figuring mm -hmm. yeah and but i think the thing of it all right is not getting down on yourself if you find yourself in a spot where you're running a game that maybe isn't your strength right you know, chances are, if you're a good GM at something, you're a reasonably okay GM at most things. Right. And I've said it a number of times through the course of the podcast. The other thing, and I know I beat myself up this way, and I've talked to a lot of other GMs that have said the same thing. As GMs, we tend to focus on the thing that we think could have or should have happened that we think is better than what did happen. Right. And what you have to remember, and again, this is one of those where knowing it and living it are, you know, one's over here and one's over there, but knowing that your players don't know your thing that you thought was supposed to happen. You know, your the thing you had planned, they aren't comparing, that they have the pie they got or the cake that they got, not the cake boss cake that you were trying to imitate yeah no i get that um i get that completely yeah sometimes you just don't feel like you laid out those uh you just you're just like i guess i didn't lay these hints well enough for them to get that mm -hmm. and, and yeah that's tough sometimes but yeah getting over that is a tough one because it's like oh i didn't lay this out properly i didn't do that i didn't um just yeah, I just didn't didn't lay the groundwork for the thing I wanted, but realizing that, well, those are internal thoughts anyways, so. Right, right. And I think that's, yeah, that, so you didn't get them where you thought you needed them, but if they had fun getting to where they got, you've done your job. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's hard to, one, it's hard to get your head out of that. Oh, man, I wanted to show them this cool thing I came up with. But they got mm -hmm. their own cool thing, especially if they're all walking away going, yeah, we had a great time. Like, mm -hmm. they got their own cool thing. Well, like, I'm sure, and, and I, not to put you on the spot, but with with your um, It Wasn't Just Us Meddling Kids game, I'm sure there are things somewhere along the line that you went, I intended to do something. And then your players went way the hell over there. So I am going to be I am going to be transparently honest with this. I had no plans for my It Wasn't Us Meddling Kids game. I had zero. I had, I had read the system and was like, okay, Scooby-Doo time. 
and knew the format of a Scooby-Doo episode and planned on walking them through the format of a Scooby-Doo episode and letting the players completely take over and do whatever they were going to do. It was basically, all right, gang, what are you going to do? And they went, we're going to go over here. And I went, I guess we're going over here. This is what this looks like. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I had no, like, yes, they did some wild things that I was like, you're really, you're going to do that. Okay. But I had no plan at all for what was going to happen in that game. Mm -hmm. And, and that's some of the fun with those one pagers is because a lot of them are built in a way where it's, basically no thought just vibes and and that's it it's just all we're here for the ride let's see where it takes us all we ended up over here wow that's crazy (laughs) but i know i heard people talking in the hallway about that one for a while after that session finished up yeah you know yeah no i just you know one person telling another somewhat random person oh dude this was we this and that and yep yep yeah, you did. You did it. I didn't do anything. I rolled some dice and described some areas. <laughs> that is, I, and, and at the end of the day, and I, I don't mean to, you know, I, I don't like tooting my own horn, but at the end of the day, that's where my strong suit is, is just, mm-hmm. I have an overactive imagination. I've been told that my entire life. <laughs> and so I let it just, oh, well, I have an overactive imagination. I'll just let it run rampant and see where it takes me and let other people give me prompts and let's go. <laughs> but again, back to, you know, you're, you've, you're aware of that and have learned how to wrangle it. effectively yeah. harness it. Yeah. Or at least ride it. <laughs> yeah. Ride it. That's a little <laughs> bit more active, more, more accurate. Yeah. But it's also, you know, I'm not saying that was an overnight thing that took a lot of, it took a lot of time. You remember a time where I was like completely bummed out by the direction of a campaign. I was running Eberron for you folks and I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, by the end of that, I was like, I have no clue, no clue. I'm lost. Mm-hmm. And it was shortly after we started doing the podcast that I came to, it was like shortly after we started doing the podcast and stuff that I came to the realization that, oh, well, I do have my strengths and my weaknesses and let's sit down and figure out what each one is and go through a bunch of games and try and figure out what games work for me, what games don't and make a plan Mm -hmm. and know that going forward, I'm good at these. I'm not good at these and I'm a better player at these than I am a GM. Mm -hmm. That's just a fact of it. I mean, yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's the gist of the whole conversation though. Right? Like, you're, you're going to be good at something. And look, you can, if you really want to be good at X style of game, you can work at it and make yourself better. I'm sure, you know, and I say you not necessarily referring to you specifically, but to anyone out there. Yeah. If you're, if you're, if you are dedicated enough and really want to get good at something you're not great at, I'm absolutely positive that anyone out there can figure out how to be better at the thing they're not great at. And, and some of that comes from, you know, and I, I not just say and listening to people like us, but like, I've learned a lot from, from, you know, let's say Matt Mercer or the McElroy. Um, yeah. The, the, uh, adventures. Brennan Lee Mulligan. And oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Dimension 20, dimension 20 and all of them, you know, I've learned a lot of stuff, whether or not I, you know, really actively participate in their in their shows anymore. I've learned a lot of of really cool tricks and you know great ideas. Heard a lot of really good suggestions out of stuff like that. And it sometimes it's listening to the people that you don't even really like. Sometimes you got to take advice from the people that you don't want to take advice from. <laughs> and and that's just a fact of the matter is that I'm not saying that because oh well you know I don't like this person or I don't like that person. I've heard a lot of good advice on across the board from people I like, people I don't care for. And, you know, this person maybe runs a game that I don't like, but they got really good advice for running that game. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's cool. I maybe never run that again, or maybe never run that, but I'm going to learn something from it. 
And that's why I always like the preambles and not to go off on a tangent, but that's why I always like the preambles in RPG books. The what is an RPG? Because it tells me what the authors had in mind for an RPG. Never thought of it in that context. I often skip that section. Yeah, I, there's games that uh, that I'm not a hundred percent thrilled about having to learn, and I go to the what is an RPG section and go, okay, give me your definition of this, hmm. and that gives me an idea of the type of game that I'm getting into. That is a very interesting insight. I had never thought of it that way, but I think you're completely right. Yeah, that happens every, you know, what do they say? Even a, even a blind squirrel finds his nuts once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you mentioned something when we were having the pre-conversation to this conversation the other day about something, how someone told you that your room descriptions were so, so evocative or whatever. Yeah, It said, you know, you, you thought all you did was, well, it looks like, you know, kind of your average tavern you know yeah i i i had uh, a player in my most recent D stuff tell me that i really like how you describe things and i was like i don't though i i'm very generic in how i describe things and you had pointed out that it's sort of that call of cthulhu delta green idea of less is more and giving your players enough room to make up their own image in their head see that's Another reason why I'm not a huge fan of maps. Uh, I think maps are great for combat, but I think maps are terrible when it comes to... Well, not terrible. Let me phrase this properly. I'm not a fan of maps because I think maps as a whole limit you on how you can describe a room mm -hmm. and, and really restrict creativity at the table. Because we already know what... like. Okay, if I if I sit down and show you an image of a crown room or a, a throne room, you're gonna go, oh well, this looks like this, and the map is going to flavor what you think of. Whereas if I describe, you know, you walk in, there's floor to ceiling columns. In between every other column, there's a guard, and the floor is marble, and the ceiling is too far for you to tell what it's made out of. Immediately, you're going. You have an image in your head. May not be the same image that I have may not be the same image that somebody else at the table has, but it's an image in your head of this grandiose room that you're walking into. Mm -hmm. Well, you, so to speak, in describing it that way, have provided enough of a framework that, yeah, I've got the idea of these grand columns and, and whatever else, but it's now it in my head canon, it's exactly what my head canon is. Right. Yeah, exactly. You you know what that looks like and what I know that to look like might be different. But that also helps me in the long run, especially for Dungeons and Dragons, is when you go to me and go, is there a chandelier up there? I go, yes, no. And immediately you're like, OK, you know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. the it's the well, are there chairs? Well, yeah, there's chairs. Well, I'm going to grab a chair. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, it's. It, you tell me, and that that's why, like, especially in Dungeons and Dragons, I don't care for all of the mobility. Like, I almost wish there was a Dungeons and Dragons game that had much less emphasis on physical positioning during combat. Mm -hmm. um, but that's a different discussion entirely. <laughs> um, no, no, I get where you're going, though. Yeah, I just like allowing my players to have, you know, you tell me what this looks like. You make that image up in your head. And and the more we've talked about this in the past, the more you can offload your brain processing to your players, the better off you'll be. Mm -hmm. I promise you. I know you want to have control over every aspect of the campaign, but the more you can get your players to do that processing, the easier your job becomes as a, as a GM. Yes. And I think the, 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 how do I, I have a thought forming here, but I'm not sure how to say it. Like if you have everything planned out in meticulous detail in a room, whatever, that's great. And if that's how your table likes to play, wonderful. But I think for the most, for, for most people, you, you give them that general thing and then they go, is, is this over here? Yes. Okay. So now I can do this off of this thing. 
or that off of this other thing. And I think that does two things. One, it makes that player feel like their idea was valid and they have a little bit of ownership in it. Mm -hmm. And the other players seeing that player do that, then also will realize they can do the same kind of thing. And so instead of them having to memorize the thing that you planned out, they're all paying attention to what each other's doing to figure out how they can play off each other. Right. And yes, you have to then kind of assemble their collage into a cohesive image. But So it's actually something that I think, and, and just to talk about this a little bit, something that I think Monster of the Week does really well, mm-hmm. the collaborative storytelling thing. I'll, are you talking about how we built the world in that campaign? Yes, 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 yes. So if I remember right from talking with Ben, that's actually not part of Monster of the Week. Oh, it's not. He stole that from kids on bikes. Oh, well, it's all. But it, it's still, you still, when in, in most Powered by the Apocalypse games, and I do know it's the case with Monster of the Week, you do at character creation at the table, communally, collaboratively, communally create connections between the players the characters right right so where we set up the whole world that was a kind of extending that but i believe he said he he took that from i think it was kids on bikes where we kind of collaboratively created this the setting itself yeah same different i mean it's still a, a powered by the apocalypse game isn't it no kids on bikes is not no no it's uh it's different Yes, that's right. I'm sorry. My brain my brain went two different directions there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's still very kind of light and, and very player-driven. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm sorry. I was wrong. Nah, it's okay. I have a brain that remembers those kind of things for whatever reason. Yeah. Just don't. don't ask me what was breakfast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's weird. It's interesting. It's bizarre sometimes even Mm -hmm. yeah and getting to know where your strengths are getting to know what your weaknesses are using your players to to do some of your work that's important i really feel well it just gets them involved it does it it gets them involved and the more they're involved the more they're invested in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. and we've talked in the past about you know player engagement that's a great way for engagement Mm -hmm. and it engaged players and I think there's a certain drive in human beings to, at least for most people, to want to be liked, to want other people to be pleased with you. So you strive to entertain them or provide them something yeah. that they can work off of. Right, right. And engaged players are, are more likely to, you know, be open to things. And engaged players are, are you know, it's just across the board a good thing. Yeah. Well, and that's something that, and I mean, we've seen it even in our experience, but that is the one thing that I find fascinating about playing and watching people play the narrative dice. Mm-hmm. Everybody is like on top of everyone else's die rolls. Like, oh, what'd they get? You know? Yeah. Oh, you got, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, like it, it's, it's, it's not, oh, you got a 23. Okay. No, it, yeah. it's so much more like active awareness of it. It's interesting. I, I, I like how collaborative it is. Again, I still am not the jury's kind of out. I've run shadow of the beanstalk and I've tried to run a couple other things and I've really looked at narrative dice and I just, uh, I don't know for running it. It's, it's tough. Uh, I love playing it. I know that. Yeah. That's what I know as well. I like playing this, this weird rock, paper, scissors game we've come up with. Um, (laughs) And I say that to be completely inflammatory, and I hope everybody in the community comes after me. Because uh, <laughs> I've said that to certain people. I said that to Huli at one point, and he was like, oh, bruh, 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 bruh. and I said that around Zumwalt, and Zumwalt was like, oh, bruh, 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 bruh. like <laughs> it is, though. You have a bunch of symbols on dice. It's rock, paper, scissors. Like, I mean, if that's what helps you understand it, good. Yeah, that, that is what helps me understand it. But anyways, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, but yeah, it, it took a couple of things happening for me to kind of, kind of start accepting different things about how I do things. Mm-hmm. And 
another thing that I discovered over the course of a conversation, I don't remember if you were there, but we were having a conversation after the one Star Wars session or maybe before. I, anyway, it was with the people from the Star Wars campaign. Mm-hmm. And we were having this kind of very candid conversation about the campaign and, and just different things. And they mentioned that I sometimes say things that make them feel like I'm thinking a certain thing. And I realized that, that what's happening is I may be slightly thrown for a loop by something that happened. And kind of as a filler, I'll make some sort of, you know, wisecrack or whatever about, oh, well, there went that plan. Yeah. And I don't mean that as anything other than just I'm making noise so there's not dead air. Right, right. And, you know, it, it's not in any way intended as a slight towards anything that was done at the table. It's just me. And I, maybe some of this came about because when I used to work radio, the one thing you're terrified of is dead air. Yeah. Dead air is one of those things. I'll say this for just some inside baseball. When we do the, the actual play stuff, dead air is not a bad thing at all. I, I try to eliminate as much dead air as I can. Mm -hmm. So it's, I mean, we have the magic of editing on our side. Yeah. And the thing, that's one thing I find, again, inside baseball, to a certain point, I find editing actual play more challenging than editing just conversation. So I I have gotten that down to a science, whether the people that listen to it like it or not. I think it sounds pretty good when it's done. Um, I have that down to it, it. Yeah, pretty much a science at this point. I do. A, I need to do a little bit more than what I normally do. But yeah, for the most part, everything is about as straightforward for me right now as I can get it. Mm-hmm. But that's also I I do very minimal. Let me put it this way for us. And we've always talked about this and we've always been sort of open about it. We want our actual plays to sound like us playing the game and not a highly edited, highly scripted thing. And right. so when I edit the podcast, I leave a lot in and don't take a lot out as a way to be like, no, but look, there was this moment of a whole lot of confusion at the table because we weren't sure if this was going to work this way or that way or whatever. And like I said, I just that's just something that just leave in in the recording because that's what happens at the table. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the matter is, is we've always wanted to be an on any time we put out actual plays, we wanted it to be as, I don't want to say honest, but I authentic. will say it. authentic. That's the word authentic as possible. Yeah. And, and <laughs> interestingly yeah. enough, um, if you don't mind me interjecting, no, go ahead. I saw something on another discord. Someone um, was listening to one of the monster of the week episodes it must no. have been the the finale. It was it was Eric was involved. Okay, so it had to have been the, like one of the last two episodes, I think. Okay, um, and I remember it happening in session. That Eric made some wisecrack about well, we won't just won't say anything about the scene we completely re-recorded. <laughs> okay, well, you left it in. Yeah, and this person caught that and said, you know, posted something about, and now I'm forever going to wonder about it. (laughs) And of course, you know, my response was something about, yeah, well, don't always assume that we're as clever as we sound. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Um, Because I was there, there was nothing re-recorded unless you did it without me knowing. No, no, nothing was (laughs) re-recorded. I just, uh, I heard him say that. I was like, oh, I'm going to leave this right here just to see if I get anybody. And apparently I got somebody. <laughs> but yeah, I uh, like I said, I, I could do a lot more editing to that going forward. I, I will try my best to do a lot more editing to it. But I, I, I say a lot more. I mean, just a bit more. Yeah. Because well, like honestly, I... it not upset with how those turn out. No, I like I know when I did the. Um the uh, Genesis one we did with GM Chris and the uh, mutants and masterminds with Alex. Now I put music beds behind them. Right. That's another, that's a whole nother process that I have not done yet. But other than that, I edited out 
I cut down some of the dead space. I edited out some of the umming and, and stalling. Yeah. But I tried to leave some of it there so that it still felt like you were at a table. But I also try to be conscious of the fact that people are taking, spending their time to listen to this and yeah. them listening to a 30 second stall. I'll say that I'll say this along this line. All of our actual play recordings, aside from Monster of the Week and, or not Monster Week, aside from uh, Mutants and Masterminds in the Genesis actual play, have been within that hour to like hour 45 at the longest mark. Mm-hmm. And so I don't feel so bad about leaving an ominous awe because that's standard length for our episodes, anyways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and it, it's just kind of where my head is at with it. You know, I understand. I, I and again, I I just said this a little bit ago. I need to do more work on those. I'm sort of just been dealt a crap hand recently and doing the best I can. <laughs> I'm not trying to say you did anything wrong. No, no. It's no. it's also a difference in how you edit and how I edit. I mean, yeah, we're different people. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. The, the, there's the big secret for this week's podcast. We oh, are different people. Different people. I know. It's we're weird. both Steve, but we're different people. We have such a weird overlap in things we like, but we are different people. <laughs> <sighs> but yeah, it's so yeah. And I don't know. I mean, thus far we have recorded all the Star Wars stuff. I mean, we. I had... wouldn't. I'll I'll say this as somebody who's going to edit it. I I wouldn't hold your breath to hear any of our Star Wars mm-hmm. actual play. I would yeah. say you'll hear something new in the near future, probably early early fall because i think you're what looking at wrapping star wars by around august i have no idea because we're partway through chapter one of the module we're now in okay but yeah i i don't know i might even doubt i because i know there's a lot of and it 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 took a few turns that again one of the comments that i got from a player was we're having fun but it feels more like slice of life as opposed to campaign and you know is that you know like i said there there everyone was having fun with it but it was moving very slowly and didn't have the pace that i think a lot of people initially expected right right which leads me to another point that came up in this conversation we had recently and that was i had a player ask me Okay, so sometimes I have trouble figuring out if, because sometimes it seems like there's just a bunch of disconnected stuff happening, and they're not sure if they should be reading into that as, is it just, for lack of a better way to say it, clutter and fill, or are these disparate elements that will come together eventually? And I'm willing to say it's probably some of both, at least in my case, when I'm jamming a game, but you know, one of the authors that I read a lot of when I was teen, early twenties was Tom Clancy. And the first half of almost every Tom Clancy book is a whole bunch of different things, seemingly disconnected happening here, there and everywhere. And then the second half of the book is all of them coming together into the climax. And so I probably subconsciously mimic that in like my narration and my storytelling patterns. And if I don't want to say if your players aren't aware of it, but it can create some confusion as to within your, your players are, are they supposed to be keeping track of this or is it just set dressing? Right. Right. And I, I don't know. It's, it's, I don't think it's a right, wrong, whatever thing, but I can also see how, especially, um, for someone with attention spans like you and I, how that could be troublesome. You know what I mean? Yeah, I I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's all interesting, man. Uh, yeah. But I think at the end of the day, you know, you, you have to recognize what you do well. And, and a lot of it, you, you, all you could really go on is, is the feedback you get. Pretty so much. Accept that, listen to it, and learn from it. But, also, when you're playing, give that feedback, you know, if you're, if you're just a player. And another thing, and, and I will say this, I got feedback from one of the players in the Delta Green game that I ran at Gamer Nation Con that after the, 
game that we ran of it, they were looking at the game to potentially buy it. Mm-hmm. And to me, that said, I did at least reasonably good job of running the game that they enjoyed it enough that they were then looking to go, hey, I want to do more of this. Right. Exactly. And so was that said expressly? No. But that either means the source material seemed interesting enough that they just want that, or they had enough fun that they want to do it again. And I'm going to take it as they had enough fun that they want to do it again. Yeah, I feel that. Well, we've said a lot and we've covered a lot of ground and we've talked a lot about strengths and weaknesses. So why don't we move into game of the week? Woohoo! Game of the week! Game of the week! Game of the week! I can go first if you're okay, you go cool first. with that. I have a game called Feral. It is Pay What You Want by Jane Spencer. Your pest posse just got the drop on the location of one-of-a-kind grade-A trash. So it's a game where you play as feral cats, dogs, raccoons, skunks, and you are trying to trying to get the best garbage that you can while simultaneously trash-talking the entire time. <laughs> can you send me a link? Yes. Thank you, sir. Yep. Yeah, and it's just, you know, cool little tabletop RPG. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Looks neat. Looks fun. Yeah. couple pages. Real simple. Reminds me, at least in principle... Okay, it says it's a hack of Honey Heist. Right, yeah. Um, Remember the one shot that Sam Regal r- ran for the Critical Role cast called Trash Pandas? Yes, it does have that kind of feeling. I don't know. I just thought it looked fun. I, mm-hmm. I, I like Honey Heist. I think that's an interesting game concept. And I think this sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, it does. All right. Your turn. All right. Well, I'm actually, and uh, of course, I meant to do this. Give me just a quick second to call something else up. Um, I'm actually going to go back to a game that you used, I want to say it's a good long time ago, but it's a game, I want to say you you spotlighted it as your game of the week maybe a couple years ago, a okay. game called Never Going Home, yes. which is the Eldritch Horror World War One game. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. Well, it's still a great game. Um, yeah. it, at some point or other, it was nominated for any, and just because I happened to notice it, I uh, wanted to bring it up because they currently have a Kickstarter for a fairly good-sized expansion up. The name of the Kickstarter is never going home to the beginning and the end, and it's, I want to say, two or three new books. Um, some are like kind of campaign dossiers, you know, the setting stuff. One, I think, is set in 1913, right before the war. Other one's set in 1918, after the war. And then, oh, excuse me. Of course, I felt a sneeze coming and it didn't come. <laughs> and then I think, okay, I think what it is, is there's these two campaign dossiers and then another monster book. Oh, nice. So, and and in this Kickstarter, you can literally get there up to, with these three, I think, 10 volumes of official content. Holy cow. Plus there's cards and, and whatever. But I just thought, you know, it's a really cool game. You know, they do have a Kickstarter going right now for some additional material, which if you really want to go all in, you can get literally all 10 books in print plus dice and cards and, and other stuff, or you can just back it at a level and get everything in PDF or you can just get the new stuff or, you know, but that's awesome. Yeah. But you know, it, it's a game there, you know, they say the system kind of focuses on what the individual can do as, as a larger part of the group, which is something I, I, I really should pick this up just so I can, you know, dive into it and see my problem. Well, could adapt it to World War II somehow, I imagine, although trench warfare wasn't as much of a thing. But anyway. <laughs> it sounds like you need to do a little bit of reading on history and brush up on your World War One history. Yeah, well, it, it, yeah, some of it's, like I said, I, I just, you know, World War II has always been more of an interest to me than World War One. But yeah, uh, the game, though, sounds... So, even when you mentioned it way back, sound very, very interesting. It does. I, I think that's such a cool idea. I'm I'm very excited to hear that they're planning at least to make more content for it. Um, yeah. I, I love seeing games that, that are cool getting support. 
Yeah, <laughs> I really do. I mean, just their their four line intro, you know, on on drive through for the the core game. The world is already at war. Now the veil has been torn. The whispers promise you power. You may live long enough to lose your humanity. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> it's wild. Yeah, it's it's great. I don't know, man. That's that's awesome. I'm glad to hear it. And yeah, get out there and and pick that up. I know we've mentioned it a bunch. As a reminder, the uh, Casey Owens or uh, Owen Casey Stevens stuff. I believe both of those are still up and still active. Mm-hmm. Plus his Patreon. Uh, again, if you don't know, he's going through some stuff. Had some medical chemo issues, and stuff. chemo and medical bills and being a freelance tabletop RPG writer doesn't necessarily have the best benefits plan for that. So, you know, just in case you haven't heard, which this will be the fourth or fifth time we've said about it. But in case you haven't heard now, you've heard mm-hmm. somebody really cool, really well respected. And, and we talked to him and very nice person in the community. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, it's tough yeah. to see, you know. I mean, everyone did. Yeah. You know, even, even in the dark corners of the internet, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone say anything not nice about it. I've, I've never heard an unkind word spoken about the the person. So yeah, it's it's tough, you know, it's tough, Mm -hmm. but with all that being said, as always links to everything are in the show notes, um, Facebook, discord, Patreon. I will be working on very shortly a, patreon exclusive episode of all of our actual play content that got sort of cut and trimmed and didn't quite fit into the actual play stuff so i'm going to be working on making a little compilation of that to go up as a patreon exclusive thing it is going to take me a minute i will not lie there is a lot and (laughs) (laughs) it's it it is not a easy task but it's been on the list of things to take care of go through i have Jeez, like 30 some episodes of stuff to go through and see if I have what I have on the cutting room floor to make another Patreon episode with too. Yeah. I, uh, I, I don't want to admit what I have to do to get some of that content because <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to export clips. And so I have to go back and be like, is it this episode? No. Is it this episode? No. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That's tedious. Yeah. But that was my own fault. Because I was in a hurry and just was like, I don't have time for this. So, and as always, we run a, we want to remind everyone to be kind to one another and get out there and play some RPGs. Yep. Take care, y'all. Intro and outro music by the band 12 Noon. You can email us at meandsteverpg at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and RPGs. Find us on Facebook at Me and Steve RPG Podcast, on Discord at Me and Steve RPGs. And as always, all of these links are in the show notes. Thank you and be kind to one another. How much for the cigar? Cigar, 20 bucks, dog. You got to go down the street to the store and buy that. Um, but, uh, I'm rubbing off on you. (laughs)